Reader Mail. Finally, for the month of October. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Sawbridges, bringing you guys the much-delayed episode of Reader Mail for the month of October. Much delayed, uh, but that's okay. If you've never heard of us and this is your first time joining us, it's always weird to us, but we are Triangle Square, a PlayStation podcast. You can normally find us uh, on Mondays at 12 p.m. CST and 10 a.m. PST on video services such as YouTube. If you like what we're doing there, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you'll get the notifications, which is at least every Monday and then the bonus episodes that this is the first one we've ever done. It's been late, sadly, um, but these come supposed to be the first Friday of every month. Uh, this one will be the second Friday, but you know what? We're sorry. We thank you guys for being patient. Yeah, if, um, uh, if this crashes again mid-episode, you just ain't going to see it. <laughs> like, yeah, we're done. We're, we're done. We're, we're, uh, we're committing seppuku. Yeah. You'll never Sudoku. see us again. <laughs> yeah. Committing Sudoku. That's a, deep, that's a deep cut these days. It is. <laughs> anyway, if you do watch this on YouTube, we'd love to hear your thoughts of things we talk about in the show or in these bonus episodes in the comments below. Of course, you can also listen to us in audio format on SoundCloud, on computers itself, or if you want to listen to us on podcast services, you can do so on iTunes, Google Play Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify these days, what what. Uh, if you listen on iTunes, consider giving us a review. Helps us know how we're doing, helps get our numbers up there, people find us, and of course, it helps us get ideas for what you do and don't like about the show and how we want to mold the show in the future. If you want to find us and just talk to us on a day-to-day basis in all of our community, you can find it over there on the Discord, which is in the description below on all these services. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, where you can have more controlled conversations. And lastly, you can find us on Patreon and support our work over there. Uh, but with that being said, it's time to move into this much-delayed reader mail. And I guess we're just going to start off strong. So you want to hit that first question? I sure do. What games do you hope get announced that would get you hyped? Josh Ayers. Okay, so this is technically my second time answering this in a week, but I'm going to say something. I don't even remember what I said. So depending on what it was... There's a couple actually, of these questions where I was looking through and I'm like, I remember the answer to that one. Don't really remember the answer to yeah. that one. So this is good. Um, as no surprise to anyone who's watched this show for any length of time, The Order 1887 would have me just like... To be honest, it would be partially because of the game itself, because I really enjoyed the 1886, but also it would be because it's just one of those things where in my mind, I'm just reserved to the fact that it's very likely to never happen. Uh, and then, of course, I actually think I did say this last time, Sly Cooper 5. would I mean, I would lose it. But you know what? I have another answer that we kind of loosely talked about. Me and Steve kind of bounced back and forth on Twitter a few times about it after I was talking about something. I think it was in relation to Festival of Blood uh, being free throughout October and that is uh, if they came back with an infamous three that brought back Cole and then some people were like what if they did Cole versus Delson which has been talked about a lot of times that would be kind of cool but I think that that'd be really cool and then have it to where you choose which one you want to play as and that's how you roll through and if you take it off of if you give them canonical endings, they can make the canonical ending for Delson be the evil ending, and he could be the evil character. And and that's how you evolve past the... Now, some people wouldn't like that, and I don't know how I'd feel about it, but instead of involving it, or instead of going and sticking with the you make a decision in the moment, uh, which they really dropped the ball on to me in Second Son, where it was like weightless... Well, there was no moral gray area. It was either solid good or solid bad, so it made the choices not fun or really weighty at all. Um but with that, it'd be interesting to see them evolve it past that to where 
your playthroughs determine off who you play as. If they make the, you know, it, it depends actually, because technically the ending that would make Cole for sure be around, it's kind of iffy depending on what you're talking about anyway. In the good ending of two, there's something that happens. And in the bad ending of two, he would just be around. So the good ending is still open enough to where he could potentially come back, but the bad ending is he's for sure around. So you had to play on whether it be Delson being the good one or not, and whether it be... Actually, I think I'd rather it be that they use the the canon ending being the evil ending from Infamous, even though they, from Infamous 2, even though they've established that they determined canon off of the the statistics of what more people did on their first playthrough. More people that's went the good cool. route on, yeah. the, on their first playthrough. I like, it. Uh, I like in, that in idea. Two. So that's why in Second Son, they kept with the fact that that Cole is gone and that's how they're going to move forward. But if they went back and were like, here's a an alternate timeline where we followed the evil ending, which was still morally ambiguous as to whether it was truly a wrong answer or not, because of how great the way that game story is told. Uh, and then they bring Delson back from his good ending. If they can kind of do that and then fight it and then have it be based off of that and kind of play off of that, that'd be cool. That would be cool. So anyway, what are yours? Uh, mine's definitely changed because of some new Easter eggs found in a brand new game, but I'm going to say Bloodborne 2. Dare scene? Yeah. Have you seen that? I saw the doll. Yeah. For those that don't know, there is With a name. Stuff- did they give the doll a name in Bloodborne? I definitely don't re- recall that if they did. I'm pretty sure it's just called the doll, but I, I might be wrong. It's been forever since I played a full playthrough of that game, and it's fresh on my mind. Because like, they're seen six it, months, it, maybe. Did it say Felicia or something like along the the line of that? I don't think it was Felicia, but um, hmm. regardless, yeah, I saw it. And yeah. it said an unfinished project, the unfinished tale, tale. That's what it was. So, conti- yeah. so there's a there's a couple ways that people have taken that, but I'm really hoping well, that that is uh, Bloodborne two. Okay, well, I know where you're talking about because the way you do the endings determines off whether or not that the cycle just repeats in uh, perpetuity, right? Right. Well, but that's... So technically it could be an unfinished tale by that nature. Somebody actually brought that up, but then they said no because this other item in the game that talked about that... uh, I forgot what it was. It wasn't another doll, but it was something else saying that... um, uh, that wakes you up from a bad nightmare, saying that, well, obviously you wouldn't be able to continue because of this supposed item. So that well, it wouldn't be that though, right? Because the I thought that the idea behind Bloodborne's story, real quick for those of you who don't know, this will hopefully make this make a little more sense to you. But uh, very loose framing. I thought the idea behind the way that Bloodborne worked is that you're not the first hunter to enter of course the hunter's not, dream. No. So even if it wasn't your character, it could just be that you know the re- the repeat could be for Bloodborne too. They could try and carry over for what people consider the canon ending, though, uh, which is the the, the, the dream. True yeah, the dream was done. For yeah. good. Yeah, it's supposed uh, to be, right? Supposed to be, yeah. Now, I'm really curious as to what's going to happen because... Well, did did From give it a canonical ending before you continue, just so I'm understanding? I don't did know. Did they it, say that the true ending was the actual canonical one? Or I don't is that know. just like a fan I don't know if 3 acceptance. is fan accepted or if it's actually studio accepted. Okay. I want to say it's studio accepted, but I might be wrong there. Okay. Um, why don't you go ahead and take us into the next question, Brett? Next question comes from Mr. Ryan the Skinny Rage, I think. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. Uh, do you guys ever feel guilty for buying used or pirating a game that you enjoyed that never got a sequel? Tours Trophy, a game that we did not know about until we looked up this question the other day when we were <laughs> when the episode got corrupted, sadly, uh, was the last game I ever bought used once I understood that the game makers weren't getting the money. It never got a sequel, in small part because of me. And you know, we talked about it in depth last time, but what one thing we didn't really touch base on is the wording he really specifically chose. Because of me. In small part because of him. So that he's, he's, you know, 
he's conceding that maybe that's not the only reason it didn't happen. Right. But if sales were part of it, which I think it was clear that sales was part of it, he was one little bit of the reason that it didn't, it didn't hit the sales number that they may have expected. You know, it's kind of like the idea behind voting and that's, I'm not bringing politics into this. I'm just saying that that's a, a comparable thing that people say, Oh, well, when you're voting, you might be the one vote that changes it. Well, that's essentially here. You may, it's easy enough at least to feel like you may have been the one new purchase that would have, you know, somehow flipped the tide. And I think a lot of that is they want you to have that mindset. And that's a good mindset to have when buying games and trying to support studios that you like is that if you're, if in your mind you feel like that was something that you care about and you're like, well, maybe I'd be that one sale that matters. Well, if you and 50,000 other people have that mindset and y'all go and that's 50,000 purchases that may not have happened if you didn't go in with that mindset. Now that doesn't mean it's going to happen that way, but you can, you know, carry it how you want to. Yeah, and I, I, I'm never one to say that like any my like group minority is to blame for a game for any reason such as that. It's really hard because we actually looked up the total sales. I think it was two million or something, one million. It was like very that. low sales for the developer who made Polyphony. Gran Turismo. Sure. Um, so I don't think that you could put yourself to blame. I don't think it's fair for any company for any consumer. Uh, on any basis should you ever blame yourself because of something uh even if it's the lack of doing something i don't think that you should take that to heart ever yeah i'm not gonna say quite that off the ease because i think that there's 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 a big difference between pirating and buying used too well, i'm think, talking about buying used specifically sure okay yeah because pirating is a different story pirating, yeah, pirating is going into it with the with the idea of nobody getting money especially day one pirators now I don't pirate games, but Which when is I hard, I would imagine, but I don't know about no, it. No, so. Black Box on PC, I think, is what it's still called. You can still I, day, I remember Black Box. day one get anything that comes out on PC, depending on the DRM. But another thing that like a lot that a lot of people don't understand and realize is that <laughs> most pirating now that's not day one PC pirating doesn't affect the industry whatsoever. I don't know that I'd say that because well, think about it. Any system you can pirate in this current gen, yeah. It's already systems that have stopped selling new copies of the game, so it's not going to affect that company in any regard for or, the most part. Yeah, or if you do pirate and you have a system that's capable of playing pirated games, and that's console side. So this is speaking through you the mean last console. gen games. Well, no, I'm saying what do you mean a hat console. I mean current gen. Yeah, if you have a hat console this generation that's able to play because they, they do exist. Okay, I was gonna say, can you? Because oh, I know dude. I know you can definitely hack the PS4. I didn't Pe- think people broke the PS4 not that long into it. You know what I mean? It's just one of those things. It happens. People literally, from the day a console comes out, their their singular mindset, and a lot of time it's not even for pirating. The people who tend to crack consoles don't even want to pirate. It's just more do it for of the fun. challenge of how hard is it to actually. Excuse me, crack this system. And that happened with the Vita. I don't know if you remember. Oh, actually, I do. A, the Vita a, and the Switch happened within like two months of release, right? Well, the the Vita one was pretty quick, but it was actually a, a somebody who was who would tinker, and he found out about it, reached out to Sony, told them how the exploit was there, never released it to the general public, and helped them patch it to fix the problem. I can't think of his name, but he's actually very big in like the homebrew hacking community. He's one of the top names. I don't know. I was it Wololo? I don't think it was. It him, wasn't him. But no. Anyway, he's big too, though. Yeah, of um, course. So I mean, there's that. But I mean, I guess to answer the question, I do agree with you in the general sentiment of sometimes when you find yourself loving something that you had interest to get, they one but then for some reason you didn't like 
an example of recently that I feel a little bit of remorse about, but not enough because it's also me taking my stance on what I believe to be what I wanted. And I feel like there's a level of balance, but, um, recently, uh, the motor storm, the motor storm team. So evolution from Sony who moved over when Sony closed them down and the pretty much the majority of that studio got bought up by a uh, game. Oh Lord. What is that company name? Help me here. The people who do dirt. I don't know why I can't. I don't know right that. <laughs> the people who did I really, Overlord and THQ Nordic. No, <laughs> I'm just spitballing um, names. Google, Google searching <laughs> dirt is certainly not going to find you the answer. Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry. That was a really dumb thing. Codemasters. There we go. I am sorry. Did not anyway, so that. Codemasters bought that studio out and it, they were like, internally known as like Codemasters Evolution or whatever. Uh, so anyway, they are the people that did, um, God, man, my brain is fried today. They did that recent racing game that I was really excited about. The one that Ryan, on that, yeah, that Ryan plays too. On Rush. Well, he, I don't think he actually got it because me and him both played the beta and what we kind of got to was like, it's well optimized, it's pretty, but from a gameplay level, it's not what I want. Okay. And it's sense. not what I wanted. And you know, before playing the beta, I'd kind of reserve myself to, regardless of what it is, I'm probably going to buy it just to support the developers because and to support the fact that they were going back more towards something that was at least somewhat like MotorStorm. But then when I got it and I realized that it wasn't even like a spiritual successor or even in the same vein as what MotorStorm was actually trying to do, and they were trying to do something original, and I will give them that. But it didn't work for me. And it just wasn't for me. So I didn't buy it. Of course, that entire studio got laid off. Um, and it's not that I feel like a, a sequel is not going to happen, but you do have that thing where you're almost like, well, what if I would have just gave in and bought the game? You know, Then you would have had a game that you would have paid money for that you would That I didn't even want. That's exactly. why I justify it back. Yeah. Is that, you know, it's the same for buying used games. Now, um, most people who buy used games, they're either getting them a deal for them or do they just maybe a game something they can't afford full price game. Sometimes it's $40 for a used game and it's still 60 bucks for the new game. Happens, uh, yeah. Division was like, what was division? Like when we 12 bought 12 bucks used and like yeah. 50 bucks new. Yep. Something ridiculous. And it doesn't, it's not justifiable. Or 40, but it was, it, oh, it was 50 because I remember it being 50, excessively. Yeah. I was like, well, Ubisoft dropped $10 since it launched. Yeah. A multi-million dollar like Ubisoft, okay, that company, they're not going to need that extra $40 from me. Now I'm, I'm sure that if everybody who bought the division, that add, add, it add up. And I'm not even going to say that. What it came down to is I came into the division so late that I, we both did. This is why I do say that. I think that new games pricing needs to reflect what's going on. And I think you see that in a lot of things, right? Um, and, and it, it depends on how you end up buying the game. Game. But here's the problem. You bought the division for $50, and that wasn't even, as far as I was aware, that wasn't including any form of DLC or anything that I was aware of, unless all the updates for that game were free. And if they were, I didn't play enough to understand that um, in terms of, I didn't play long enough to see a new one come through if that was this, the case. But when you have something like Destiny, essentially buying the game itself becomes dirt cheap. Yeah, like three but, bucks. But what, now that's used. But even buying Destiny 2, I think if you buy the game, I think it's it's either 10 or $20, which is a far more like, easier pill to swallow when you're like, well, not only do I have to buy the game, I also, and they make it even easier by saying, well, if you haven't bought the game yet, but you're wanting to get it, you know, you can spend $60 on it with all the DLC. Which, which is, is a good setup, you know, I mean, realistically, and it means that buying it and adjusting it down is, is more reasonable. But that is something I've wished that at least on the digital front ha would be kept in mind of in the future. You know, there's times where even when a game is on steep sale on PSN, I can still go get it cheaper used from GameStop. And that's crazy to me because in my opinion, buying it new digital should be $7 max more than what you find it at a GameStop. 
So like if you find the game for $13 at GameStop, if you buy it brand new digitally, $20 is what it should be max. You get what I'm saying? Like it should be in the ballpark of what it is. And the reason that the, the, it should be more for the digital copy. Well, yeah, because it is new. That's where I'm kind of in line. Cause when you're buying it used, think about it this way. What I'm saying is regardless of whether you're buying it physical or digital, and I'd really prefer all the prices to come down real, like realistically, the physical version, if they're still out there and still being made needs to come down in line with the, digital price that also comes down to be competitive against the used market. Now, I think this may be coming back to something that you mentioned when we were recording previously though, where regardless of the fact that used copies do completely actually eat away at specific segments of business, the reason that they've not done anything about that and the reason that they don't match the reason that they don't make digital prices cheaper on day one, despite the fact that there's no shipping cost or materials cost uh, and no back-end cost of what GameStop is making is because they don't want to anger GameStop. Yeah. And, of course, it helps. It benefits the company, too, because they get a, a better uh, profit margin by the fact that they're selling it at full price anyway. Right. Um, it's better profits for both companies. Yeah, essentially. Too. So essentially. Get, or yeah. at least once, once for sure profit on the digital side and then GameStop is the potential reason for them to have somebody want to come in and buy either new there yeah. or physically still and still give them some kind of brick and mortar sales and then or the ability to buy used. But I think that at least to remain competitive, that, that there should be kind of an analysis on where the game sits within reason, and then they should adjust the price after a reasonable amount of time. Even if it's every three months, they should adjust the price to be within line of where the price seems to be falling on the used scale. Yeah. And I, that's why I say like a 7 to $8 max. So if I go in and I wanted to buy um, God of War, which actually God of War has been done great. Sony's done great about dropping prices. Right, it's not a 40 now. Because God of War is a 40 and with Detroit and a couple yeah. other games. Now, of course, that drives the used price down even, actually. But typically, Sometimes, though, in, it's a, weird. In, a, in a GameStop, since it doesn't, because yeah. every now and then you can get a game, it costs more for it used than it does. And there's some kind of cool like little loopholes you can do to make yourself money that way, too, where you can take... There's, there's times that when... I forgot what game it was last time, but you could go to Walmart and buy the game for $5 at Walmart. Trade it in, trade for, it in for like 7 And then you could basically keep doing that. I'm not that kind of like jerk to put it. Uh, I didn't a do that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Through like ten copies of Shrek at one time. No. Yeah, I bought Wolfenstein: The New Order for I think ten dollars or or seven dollars or something like that, brand new from Walmart. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to give the game a try, and I'm going to do so by supporting the developers by getting it new, even though at this point it was already kind of a guaranteed shipped copy. I was getting so yeah. late, but I was still like, it's still better to buy it new. Um. So anyway, what I ended up doing was uh trying to play it got about halfway through and i was like this this is not for me i, I know for sure it's not i'm not gonna try and suffer through the rest of it i've given it its fair share and i went to trade it in and i got 12 dollars for it yeah so you got two more bucks <laughs> and you i gotta, was like sweet this is awesome to um, uh to put a final answer for me though in the question right is that if i like a community a dev and their community enough to support them uh First of all, I almost never buy used to begin with anymore. So, by inherently, I am supporting them just by buying new. But now, I you also tend to buy digital. I was like, now I'm pretty much fully digital. Red Dead was fully digital, and that was my first like full digital game. So, I do believe that for me, the another easier way is like Dead Cells, Hyperlight Drifter. Um, soon to be Celeste, thanks Corey. Um, <laughs> and let's see what else was it? Enter the Gungeon. All those games I've bought twice now, one for PS4 and one for Switch. So I'm actually those those developers I really like. I'm technically buying two copies of the game to help support them. But I'll never feel personal remorse uh, about a game studio closing because I didn't buy a game, especially games I did not want or care about, or if I bought them used instead. 
And I don't, because I just don't think that there's enough data there to make me feel bad enough. My last word will be that there is a upside to the way that buying, that the used game market does work. And I, I, essentially the best way that you can kind of do this without having to feel guilty about purchases, uh, Ryan, is that you can, what I typically tend to do if a game's been out for a while and I still don't quite know if I'm going to like it or not, and there's no demo available, there's nothing for me to be able to try it. I will go buy a game used. I will try it out. If by a couple of hours into it, I'm realizing that I really like it. I will go and return it and I will buy it new. Yeah. Uh, and that, and again, that's technically, I mean, some people would consider that stupid because I'm spending more money in the long run, but I'm doing it because at that point it's a guarantee that I would like the game. And at that point I'm like, okay, I like this game enough. Now I want to support the dev for making this game. Uh, and the publisher of course, which is really what supports the dev. So, I go back and I buy it new. And I think that's a way that you can kind of try and minimize risk on games that you weren't sure of. Another way that I tend to do that is also to catch games <clears throat> when they go on digital sale. That's not the only time I do buy digital is when games I've been really curious about hit a low enough threshold. And I'm like, even if I can get no money back out of this, it's a uh, risk is averted as much as possible. Like when I bought mirror's edge for like five bucks and then I ended up really enjoying the game and I, was yeah. like, I would have paid 30 bucks for this probably. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't think I'll ever feel any kind of remorse on my end, unless it's a studio. I just really, 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 really care about. And it's a small studio that, that needs this kind of stuff, but not a studio essentially different. Yeah. yeah. Not a studio like that, but staying on somewhat the digital versus physical trend here, uh, or mentioning so much that I will be going fully digital. Our good buddy, Aaron over on Twitter says, how do you feel about digital copies versus Versus physical copies. Do you think physical copies will slowly be forced into extinction, becoming collector's edition only, or just never going away? We've talked about this for, I would say, for good length. Uh, and me and Brett, yeah, me and Brett are standing at good imposing sides on this. Uh, opposing sides. I don't know what imposing, but I, I do think that we've uh, every time I think we tend to come to these. I, I think we always land in the same middle ground of. I don't think either of us completely believe that physical is going to go completely away. I do. We talked about the last time. Is that what it was? 10 years. Yeah, 10 years and it will be gone. Just because storage is getting so much cheaper aside from uh, solid state drives. Those are getting ridiculous in price as we go on. Uh, Like a two terabyte solid state drive is like $800. But um, it's something ridiculous. But when you have cheap memory like we're getting now where four terabytes can easily be under $100 in some manufacturers, and especially in next-gen going forward with consoles, you have to have something that's above a terabyte. I do think that in 10 years, maybe even 15 or 20 years, we won't have disk anymore. Uh, we won't even have cartridges. We won't even have something like that. Uh, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, but Brett, on the other hand, is pretty firm that we will never have that. $400. Okay, I was like, man, $800 seems like a lot Maybe it was a of four, hyperbole. That was for a two. Maybe a four terabyte SSD was the one I was looking at. Okay. That was 800 But okay. yeah, two terabyte SSD is, is, is 400 bucks. 350 Yeah. But uh, even then, yeah, I do stand on the other side of it, and it's for one very specific reason. It's that I feel like it's really easy to say that discs are going to go completely away when you live in an area that's highly likely to always have internet, and internet will hopefully proliferate to a point where it becomes easier and easier to get. And I already think that it should be, and this is a, a very interesting thing about that, but I do think the internet becomes so ne- necessary for not only your hobbies, but for day-to-day life and, and, and getting jobs and stuff that... Since definitely our area, and that's why I don't want to speak for everybody, uh, our area does not really have a place where you can go and get on a computer and do things that you need to do uh, that we used to, but our library no longer does that, Um, our public library, which is very underfunded. So that's probably why. Uh, But when you think about situations like that, I I do think it's easy enough to think that, well, in a place like America, it's not crazy to think that eventually – 
internet will basically become, and it already is a commodity. It, well, it's it's more than a commodity at this point; it becomes a necessity. So it's almost like a um, what do you call it? Like water and everything. What is it? A utility. Uh, a utility. Yeah, uh, and that's essentially what it is already. But it's still on the side of well, you don't have to have it. So that that's pro- that at least in our area. But yeah. it's getting more and like progressively more necessary. Most jobs. I think one of the only places in town that still really takes legitimately paper, and that's the only way they do their stuff, is where I work. You cannot even apply for my my where I work anywhere on the computer at all. To be fair, yours is a family-owned business, yeah. So that's a, probably a model. But yeah, in terms of corporations of across all boards, I don't think any major corporation does paper uh, uh, applications anymore. Yeah. So uh, I, you know, we, and we talked about it before. So that's kind of our stances on it. I, well, I want to say a little bit more before we right, move well, go on. ahead. But it's it's very <clears throat> very light because I feel like I probably articulated this before. But my other side of it, uh, and what I was getting at with that, is it's easy to think about the fact that it will go completely discless in a place like America or maybe even like the general UK and Japan. But I think the reason that this goes, and it's something that Sony does have very well established over Xbox, is more worldwide reach by being in more countries than Xbox. That's a big reason is why they sell so much larger. Uh, you know, they're in a lot more territories, uh, and they're really big in some of those territories by nature. But those are territories that are not commonly known necessarily for having easy-to-get Internet or well-thought-out Internet. Um, so in places like that that are a little less developed and a little less likely to have good set-up well, infrastructure, yeah. I think That's why that, I said 10 years, because 10 years well, from now, it's even, so hard to predict technology. Sure, but even I think 10 years, I think that... 10 years in America is a big, big deal in terms of how much technology can realistically move. And we've seen that. But I think that if you give 10 years for how technology moves in a a second world country uh, or even like a first world country, you know, realistically, when you go in that set set up a third world country, I'm sorry, I said first, uh, but a second or a third world country, when you're going like that and you're going to places that are so poor and they don't even have like some basic living necessities. They're not going to have a console then. Some of them, you'd be surprised. No, some of them, they have their they have their. Well, but what I mean is that they they sell in the area. But what I mean is that their entire population does not easily have that. Like they're always homeless, so there are always people that don't right. necessarily have that. But when you have a just a high percentage of your population, and I mean high, being like if you have twenty percent of your population without typically running water, but they still means they have consoles in that area. It means that in that area, it's not developed to the extent where 10 years does not mean the same thing technologically there as it does to a place that continues to iterate very quickly and has a market for it. In places like that, now I think, and but this seems this is bad for manufacturing. The chances of them going with a completely discless drive in, in, in well-established first-world countries, maybe, and then still keeping a, a version that has a disc slot and producing disc only for third-world territories or places that are a little less established with internet, Fine, I could see that, but, but I you think still, they they'd still make disc because point. if they're still making disc and they're still making a console with a disc, people are gonna why not them. just include that and sell it everywhere? I do think though that like there is an argument to be made with PC gaming. Uh, it is like it is not on the numbers of of PS4 and stuff, but nobody PC games don't mm-hmm. have disc anymore. It's very very rare that you come across disc on PC uh, for PC games if you're not at Walmart or like. Office Depot. And there's a very big reason for that. And there's, and it kind of ties in even to the idea of what I was going to get to with what you'll, the other reason why I don't think that we'll go, we'll ever lose a completely disc, we'll ever lose a completely disc based console if you wanted it to be that way. Uh, and that is that the reason that I think that it's so easy for people on PC to do this is that 
it's far more likely that if you have a PC, you have internet than it is that if you have a console, you absolutely have internet. Getting to this day and age, though, it's getting to a point where you have to have internet for a console. Well, I, I mean, and I get what you're Especially saying. Especially 10 years down the line. <clears throat> but you saw what happened. <clears throat> I apologize. You saw what happened when Xbox tried to do that and go, well, hey, they just did it always all. online. They just did it all wrong. Well, because there was actually pros to that that people look past. No, there are pros, pros. but the biggest, but the biggest negative is that what about people who just genuinely do not have well, internet? Well, that's that thing. And is, what are you going to have? Most of our console games that we play to this day, like even single player offline games, you still have to be connected online mm. to play them, and it's pretty stupid. That's not very common. It's more common. It's ne- common. It's more common this gen than yeah. it's ever been, but it's still not massively common. And I mean, uh, the majority of games I've played this year do not require me to be online at all. And that's and when you think about it in that prism, it's more common than ever, which is is a when you're looking at it, it's like, well, if that continues to get exponentially there, then, yeah, there's issues. Um, but well, then you have games like Red Dead 2 that require a digital download day one. That's two disc. Well, but you don't you I didn't even update that game day one. I just went ahead and played Azure installed from a disc and it was two disc, but that's entirely disc based. And as soon as is it, it was one done, like assets, yeah, the, the data disc was all data you couldn't play off of it at all right. and then the second disc is it's the game disc well think but about you, you don't have to have internet at all you can play the game as soon as you install the the two disc and you, the second disc just acts as your play disc and what happens is you put it in and it goes ahead and lets you play it you don't have to download the day one update and the game is so generally fine i've actually heard people say this on a on a very quick yes or no answer do you think with the amount of content and um the amount of uh, detail, attention to detail, and mechanics in that game. Do you consider that like? Would is that a game you would consider a next gen game to be? Because if that's the case, if you consider next gen games to be eating more than that, meaning the attention to detail, the just the way that the body physics work, that the way that w- the world around it evolves, you're going to be looking at double disc games from here on out. Unless a new format creeps up or BDXL prices go down. Right. The biggest problem right now is that our consoles cannot, and because the necessity has not re- been bred for it yet, yeah. they did not make these consoles with BDXL drive. Exactly. Uh, so, so, so do you waste money and make a console more expensive for a BDXL drive well, and not use it? I don't necessarily know that the drive would be as much expensive moving forward versus, you know, because they set these specs in time before they make them and then they don't typically tend to change them. They could have done it with refreshes, but then you segregate your user base, to, yeah. you know, and then it's not universal. Because so that's, you still have to have two discs for games for people who still have the original base model. So when you um, think about it, that's a problem we look at going two years from now into the future. Sure. But I do think that what we'll see is, is realistically, we'll have a BDXL drive going forward. and then So are you, you going to have, have another a, standard Blu-ray drive in there in case you have backwards compatibility? Or can a standard Blu-ray uh, a be played? A BDXL drive can play in a standard Okay. Yeah. That's, that's something I did not know. I was actually... Yeah. Curious about that because if people who want backwards compatibility, like myself, want mm-hmm. to be able to throw a disc into PS5, yeah, play it. No, that's uh, it, it that, that, that's a big problem. And even then, like the internet problem is there, where people who have slow internet, like Donovan, took uh, upwards didn't take them four days exactly, but almost four days to download the Bioshock collection. That's a yeah. last gen game with last gen textures. Going forward into next gen to download a hundred gigabytes worth of a game off of that CD, and that's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. And then you have people like Blaze who are out there with Windstream, and it takes him a long time to download stuff too. These are examples of people we know and, and that don't even live like Blaze doesn't even live far from here. That's why I say the well, proliferation. Yeah, you know, there's a monopoly here at ISPs. <laughs> town and there that's is not the one to have there is but i want to kind of bleed the whole fact about internet and the fact that i think that the reason that computers have had such an easier time is that most people who have computers definitely people who keep up with computers that are able to play most pc games they have a computer they have internet i'm still going to say the same applies common. for consoles in this day and age I mean, I, it, again, it's far more common, but there are plenty of people who, who have consoles and never have i internet. guarantee you 90 percent of console owners have internet 
it may not be the best internet, but it has to have some kind of internet. Maybe. And I mean, because even then you got to say, well, mobile hotspot, but that's mobile hotspots, not enough. And then oh, it eats yeah. up data from it, your, it's phone enough line. to get a couple things done. Like, like uh, somebody suggested to Corey to back, uh, to back up his stuff every sure. now and then using cloud for that sure. with the, the, with that, but, but Corey's a perfect example. And Corey's like, Corey says like the only PC he has is a 10 year old computer because he doesn't see a reason to, and that's why he doesn't normally game on PC because he doesn't see a reason to go up because he doesn't have internet. It doesn't benefit him to do yeah. so, but he can have two consoles very easily. And there are downsides to not having internet. There are many downsides, but, but he, he, for his thing. So Corey lost all of his data because something happened to his place. There was a power surge and it, 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 it corrupted his hard drive. But what he could have done is used, and I've done this before, even though I have internet, just because I'm weirdly careful, uh, back up all of your stuff onto a, a thumb drive. And you yeah. can do it very easily. I mean, it's, it's just as easy as it is to back up to the cloud. The cloud does it automatically. Say, so I guess it's yeah. not. But if you're doing it manually, More convenient, it's just as easy. I would say. Not, as, not so much as, not harder, but just more convenient with the cloud. Sure. But so if you look at that side of it, yeah, there's that. And I think that people like him are prime examples of people who... Because you could say, well, if they have console, they have some form of internet. Well, essentially, dude, he doesn't. He he's had the console for two plus years and has never hooked it up to. The but internet. he lived in the place before had the had internet though. Yeah, but he's been where he's at two years and with no internet, and he hasn't hooked up the, that console to internet in two years. Right, but he's moving to a place with internet. I, I get that. I'm just but, saying, internet having not not having internet. But that's is only not because permanent. he's moving. It's not because internet's suddenly reaching him. But it will. Do you get what I'm saying? But I guarantee, you within ten years, that place he lives in now will have internet. Maybe, but it doesn't. It, no, change. there's no maybe. Okay, but what about people who can afford a console and can afford the games but can't afford internet? Then you make very bad financial decisions with your life buying a console and games if you can't afford internet. But if you don't want internet for any other reason, and for some, and then your you're going to be just out of luck in the future because that's the inevitable way consoles are going to go. I mean, maybe, I, and I'm not. Saying I'm not you're talking wrong about. Not, I'm not talking about physical. I'm talking about in terms of downloading and stuff. I know that, and I'm not saying that you're wrong in that by any standard. But I'm just saying it shouldn't. It, it should not have to be that way because there's enough people who it would benefit to not lock behind that. It's kind of the. It's kind of what Matrix did. Matrix said something really kind of messed up. Saying we that, still have the Xbox 360. Yeah, for people who don't have internet. I'm not gonna say that. I'm not gonna try yeah. to even demean to that. Very but bad. If, PR. if if you are if like. If you have a console and next gen games, and you can't afford a monthly internet bill, because there's some cheap internet bills out there, not for everybody, well, but we've talked about this before, and I get where you're going, I truly do. But we've talked about this before. There are people who are just now buying PS4s and are buying games on a backlog, and they're just going and buying them used. Right, patient and gamers, they're, and they're patient gamers, and they're getting a, and the reason. So they, uh, here's what it is: they can afford a PS4. Right? right. And now, of course, we are talking about a system that won't have these things potentially. But I'm just saying that, let's just say PS5. Well, and I'm right? also talking 10 years down the line. We're sure. talking about that. And, and now. I'm going I'm I'm to meet you in the middle, right? Let's just say a PS5 releases in 2020, and then five years into that lifespan, people start buying a PS5. And these are these patient gamers. And they just want the console. The, as far as internet goes, maybe they live in a place, or maybe in terms of, if you're, first of all, if you're a, if you're a patient gamer, most people are patient gamers because of the monetary aspect. They feel like they're getting their more values worth by waiting to play the games, and they still get to I've experience a, them. I've actually seen more people who who just prefer to wait and play through the backlog they have now. Well, there's that. There's that. But I know most people who wait that long to even get the console, and I do mean people who don't buy the console at all until four years in, and, and they just keep playing the PS3. They're like, well, I got enough games here. Games I may have missed, I can keep playing. I get them, I get them very, about. very cheap. Yeah, well, but yeah. It comes at the money. It's like, oh, I missed that game, but I got yeah. it for $3 at GameStop. So when you think about it that way, Let's just say five years into the PS5's lifespan, right? So if the PS5 comes out 2020, that's two years. And if the five years into that, that's seven years into the future. All right, this person buys this machine. As far as the internet's concerned, 
they only need everything that they need to do on the internet. They can do solely from their phone. They have a phone bill that's minimalistic, so where the but, amount of but it, we know in five mm-hmm. years phone bills are going to be minimalistic because of data caps. Yeah, see, we're talking about stuff that has a lot of moving tent poles. It does, but that's, that's what I'm saying. From ten years from now, I, I, I'm going to move off of this particular one because <laughs> we've been on it for way too long. And, yeah. and finish just, up just by saying to summarize myself real quick: just ten years from now, I believe that all digital is going to be the way it's going to be, mainly because we cannot predict what's going to happen in technology ten years. And I'm going to stay on the safer side and bet that on that's the safer side, what, that's the fact that you can't predict is why I'm going to stay on the side of what but we already know. Works. Advancing so much. But hold on, my other side of why I don't think is that technology is advancing so much that why even do that when you are still going to eventually see what we're already potentially seeing with Xbox from rumors is that the next generation console will have a physical console that will have a disk drive and have everything you expect for that, but there'll be a streaming box. The because streaming stream box, box, main key right there. Stream box doesn't have to have a disc because you're not even downloading at that point. Right, but you have to stream it, which exactly. eats into so data caps and stuff that we actually have problems sure, with the internet. Sure, but at that point, of course, if you're buying a streaming box, you have internet. If you buy a streaming box, no internet. Of course, yeah. You, it, and that's in even 10 years down the line, we so can even that say that... The, the need is, is removed by that because if you have one that's a streaming box and... My thing is, I never see technology hitting a point where we never buy localized hardware. There are going to be people who always buy localized, and then there will be people people who don't care about it being necessarily bleeding at the edge of technology and can take the few concessions just to get the ease and simpleness of a stream box. And I think you'll see the the market split into those two realms. Um, whereas, you know... Well, I don't think a stream box would be a bad idea. I'm, nor do I. And I'm once, just saying that that's data why I think that they'll always keep and, discs, too. Yeah. Because of that situation, but I, I mean, just think I that could going, be wrong. I, well, I just think going forward until they're until disc technology advances and like, because you gotta imagine small companies that make games, you gotta imagine they're gonna be more expensive when they actually have to come out on XLs because they cost more money to manufacture on. I mean, yeah, but not massive. And the biggest right. reason they so, don't do but it But, like, now let's is... say an indie developer is creating a game for next gen, and sure. like, let's say it's a small company yet this game's a hundred gigs and has to go on two drives. Let's say the game costs forty dollars, but. Uh, only cost forty dollars because of the extra manufacturing costs of those discs. Well, if we're going to use your example, and that's uh, just to be clear well, not, how that I'll, works, wasn't, that wasn't done. Oh, sorry. Well, ahead. I was going to say, and then the digital price is the exact same price because of that when they're not being manufactured on those discs. Okay, and that's where I was getting at. We already see that not being true in this situation. We already see indie games coming out most of the time. The physical version comes afterwards, or if it comes day one, it already. I'm comes just saying in the at, rare case though. Sure, because I'm sure Rockstar now, it cost them more to to produce those CDs than it did Grand Theft Auto Five because they're on regular Blu-rays. But at well, the same time, they knew the profit they were going to make off that game. Yeah, that's just two Blu-rays. That's all it is. Two standard Blu-rays. It's not BDXs. Oh, that, oh that's right. Yeah. Two stand, that's why it had to be two. If it was a BDXL and, I'm and this sure, had to drive for it. I'm sure empty Blu-rays to print a game on is cheap when you buy millions cheap. at a time. Cheap. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, well, because you're physically, it, it's different. You know, it's not that you're burning a game onto it. You're manufacturing. Yeah, you're, you're putting, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's different. But it's cheaper in, in that sense, of course, by bulk. But what I'm saying is, I get your example, but that is already not true now. In the majority of the times that we see that, Dead Cells is a perfect example. You had to pay more money for Dead Cells if you wanted it physical, even though it came not quite day and date, but very close. Uh, we see a lot Dead of Dead Cells is the same price physical. It wasn't at launch. But Only maybe, because of the pre-order bonus. Maybe. Yeah, because they're then, both $20. Okay, well, okay, even better then. So in you that situation. Got the pre-order but bonus. Then, there's, then the other thing is that they typically wait, or you have games like Limited Run who do physical versions, and you do play it. You pay the upcharge for the fact that it's being Which, physically yeah. manufactured. And if not, you get people who partner and go, okay, well, we'll have this game day one be digital, but it's $10 more. Like I talked about Origami, right, that I got physically. It was the only way you get the special edition. It didn't come with a lot more. It was really about the fact that you were getting it physical, and I paid $10 more 
for for that. Um, so that's already kind of set up to where it's like, well, we're going to set it up to where you're going to pay this amount for this. And then if it does go physical and definitely with indie games, because they tend to be digital first because they're cheaper and easier. And it's typically, like you say, indie, they're being self-published. When you do physical, somebody has to publish a game. That's why they tend to not to go that route. See, I could see that. We'll, we'll um, see, though, because like, I'm, I'm really curious in 10 years where Internet will be as a thing, we'll especially see. with the stuff. Uh, Elon Musk is talking about what the roads in <laughs> he's doing in, in uh, California. Have you heard about that? The state tunnel things? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. And he's doing it all on his own time. <laughs> so, yeah. That man is, is both is, well, is the he, biggest double edged sword I've ever seen. He's crazy. Yeah. But in a good and sometimes like super, super villain, evil, bad guy, crazy. <laughs> Especially some of, in Aramon. Uh, all right. Let's move past. Let's, 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 let's keep the ball rolling. All right. Let's see. Uh, next question up. <laughs> when was your guy's first kiss? Richard Rivero, um, you know, I, I recounted this story the other day, and at first I, you know, look, I'm just going to tell you, it's it's a sad story of love and betrayal. So, uh, Saul, mine's more, mine ends on a more like you know sad note. Yeah, mine's so quick. I'm going to let you go first. I, I was like 13 years old, and, and we were spending the night at one of my friends' house, and we had spin the bottle, and it was that. Yeah, there so we like go. the very most like traditional American way to lose like to lose your kiss in virginity. Exactly. Yeah, you did it. You did it. One of many. My boy had a wife in ways. kindergarten. Yeah. So my my tale of of sadness is in kindergarten. Uh, my girlfriend Bailey, that I had, uh, and I won't get into last names, <clears throat> is we were set up every day. We would get to school and we would see each other, and then like saw saw that this was funny. But you know, we dated throughout my entire year, pretty much. I think we started dating like two weeks into kindergarten. Oh, kindergarten, specify yeah. kindergarten. And this was set up at a time where in our area, kindergarten was a separate school. It was an entire building. It was Carver Kindergarten. That was the school. And then whenever you moved on to going to elementary, first grade, you would move to a new school of which we have many elementaries. Many, um, many, many, like five. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I mean that that's probably not many for some of these places that That's true, but we we are it's many small, for us. small town, yeah. Uh, but anyway, it's it's, with, it's it's important at the end of the story. <laughs> it is. It is very important at the end of the story. So, we would every day at like when we'd come back in, they'd be lining us up to go back to our home rooms, which we had different home rooms. We would hold hands, walk up to our line and before we broke off, we'd kiss. <laughs> And first of all, I don't know why. I have to assume that both of us, because I don't, I don't remember us like, having a conversation. I think that one day we just literally kissed because we saw parents do it. So we were like, we are a couple. We are in love as far as we know what love is. We will kiss. Uh, so we did that. But the last day of kindergarten, this is my great sad story. Uh, I live with this every day. Anyway, our my, our last day of kindergarten, we kind of went out to lunch, and we knew that like we didn't typically see each other before we left school because our parents picked us up at different or she her parents picked her up and I went on a bus because uh, of where I live. So with that said, our last our last um, recess, <laughs> our last date, but our last recess together on the last day, we were very aware of the fact that we were going to first grade, and the sad part was because of where we lived and what was and the fact that her parents took her to school and picked her up. And I was just a poor little kid out in bus the country. Rider. <laughs> I had to ride a bus. Um, so with that said, we had to choose somewhere that was close to our, closer to where I lived. And I was already on the edge of city limits, technically out of city limits. Um, but the bus would pick me up there. And I went to Union and she went to Fairview, which I've like four miles apart in real life, but millions well, of miles. Well, probably six. Probably but, six. Okay, yeah, six but even seven, then, actually. when you're six years old, 
or five even or when you're like 13 years old that's still like yeah, across but, town basically but even then when you're five and don't understand how distance works that feels like an eternity i thought she was moving countries in terms of the severity in my head so we both gave each other i gave her one of my toys and she gave me a little mini mouse hairband and it was or a necklace i'm sorry it was a necklace um and it was just a little necklace thing that had a hole. So it was actually the charm, not the necklace itself. And it was the charm from her necklace. She just undid her necklace, slid off the charm, and handed it to me. And it was like our way to remember each other. Uh, and and I, I didn't see her for like years after that. I've seen her since I've been an adult now. Yeah. And it's funny because I know, like we know who each other are because our parents know each other loosely. And it, it's, it's been, it's interesting. But yeah, that's my sad first love story. And uh, there you go. That's, I was, I was not balling i was uh i was doing that loyal shit uh back back in the day so <laughs> anyway next question so our good buddy blake wants to know what is one game this gen you didn't think you'd end up liking but ended up really enjoying so i think i butchered that question technically but you get the gist what game did we didn't think we were gonna like but we ended up really liking um brett why don't you answer yours because you didn't have an answer for this but you ended up finding I an stumbled answer into it. into a uh technically a cheat in a way because it's, it's not, a DLC, but it, yeah. it kind of came full, full, full circle. Well, because essentially this is what it is, right? I played Destiny Two at launch. It's Forsaken, just to get that part out of the way. It's the Forsaken expansion, and what essentially it comes down to is I played Destiny Two at launch, and I had fun with it. It's a fun game. What I don't like is the general design of how the game wanted to work. So at that point, I played Destiny to the point of where the fun had ended because it just got into the typical Destiny grind, but it was made worse by the fact that they had kind of taken steps back from Destiny 1. And I got to the point where I was just really kind of hating the game, and I got I really cooled off on the game to the point where I was like, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily regret saying that I enjoyed it, because I did, and I enjoyed the time I had with it, but I was done with it, and I was so done with it. I didn't care to get any of the DLCs. Forsaken rolled around. A lot of people started talking good about it, and then Saul started talking good about it, and it still took me a month of hearing people say good stuff where I was like, I'm still not going to get it. I now, and now I came over today, you're just playing it just willy-nilly. Yep. Look at so, my boy. That now my brother's playing it, which is even more crazier in my mind. Yeah, it is. For a second, it brings everybody together. Yeah, look. Mine was uh, Danganronpa, uh, mainly just because I didn't think I was going to like it due to um, some oh, of the characters. Huh? I did have another answer to this, but go ahead. You did? Yes. Oh, I remember. But I was gonna say pretty much just Danganronpa, mainly Trigger Happy Havoc, but that ended up being one of my favorite Vita games. Sure, and you went into it not even being aware necessarily because the type of games they are. Had you ever played any of those types of games prior? The Nonary games, and that was it. That's it. Okay. That's the only ones I've ever enjoyed of those. I, well, I say that's not the only games I've ever played because uh, I played like Doki Doki Literature Club, which I enjoyed, but it got tedious towards the end. Sure. Uh, and it was actually Doki Doki on why I thought I wasn't going to like Danganronpa. I thought it was going to be tedious towards the end. Turns out it is like an anime Phoenix Wright, and it is amazing. Okay. But go ahead with yours. All right, so my other one, Saul, and I'm sure you remember this, is actually uh, Severed. Oh! And yeah. So that Severed, is uh, it, it launched as a Vita exclusive for a short period, and it's by Drinkbox, the same people that did um, Guacamelee. And essentially... Going into it, I played other games like it, which is like Etrian Odyssey, which is this kind of first-person uh, dungeon crawler idea. But the way f the way that Severed handles that, you know, when I was definitely looking at it, you you move through segments of a map. Like you see the map, but you move through them right, and they're just circles. And then there's a tunnel connecting the two in a circle. Once you move into the circle, all you can do is just rotate. You can't move physically. You rotate and you see stuff and you swipe to interact or whatever you're going to do. Or if uh, somebody something attacks you, then you switch between the enemies and attack them as you can. 
And I thought to myself, I was like, this is touch controls for combat. I'm going to hate this. There's no way this can be done well. It's a game where when you go into these segments, there's you can't freely move. You're just moving through a game slowly but surely. I was like, you know, just I was like, it just seems like a weird design, and I'm sure that it's for somebody, but it's not going to be for me. But I kept hearing such great buzz around it, and it, it got to a point where it got on sale for like again five dollars, and I was like five dollars to just try this game that I feel like I'm not going to like at all, but I will at least have the ability to say that I played it. And I still didn't like it. That's, that's I went into it with that mindset. And then I left platinuming the game, which took work. It's not, I mean, it's not a hard platinum, but you have to care enough about the game to keep going. And I love that game. And what it actually made me do is retroactively go back and play a game I also didn't think I would like because of something about the way... I don't know what it was. Now I love everything about that game. Like I, wouldn't, I would have never thought I wouldn't have liked it. But Guacamelee made me go back and play that. And uh, so Sorry, I was having to clean up some stuff in Discord. Uh oh! Nothing major, just something I am very annoyed at people with that I'll be having a conversation spoilers. in real life. No, not spoilers. Maybe real life spoilers. Dank memes? N- not quite. There's a lot of those that I had to pass by. <laughs> okay. Uh, why don't you take the next one? All right. Next one is a great question from Mister LTB. Have you ever been turned off by reviews for a game that you were anticipating? Of course, and just recently for me. Which one for you? Mega Man Eleven. I am a big fan of Mega Man games. I. Uh, I love them quite so. One person that I've always found reviews them quite well and speaks onto them of a highly enough level is Colin Moriarty. He did not enjoy it as much as I was anticipating I would. Therefore, I'm waiting on a deep sell. Which is interesting. Okay, waiting on a deep sell. That helps clear it up because I thought you were just going to skip it in general. And I will no. say that his review wasn't glowing. It wasn't but it was glowing. Not bad. Yeah, it, it was. It was. I was more let down because I thought it was going to be a true return to form Mega Man game that was going to make up for Mighty Number no. Nine and that was going to just be a very, very solid platforming game overall. And that's where some of the gripes were is in the platforming. And I'm just kind of like, I'm going to wait. On, like, if it's part of the Black Friday sale, I'm going to pick it up on Switch most definitely because of the nature of it. What's your bottom dollar? Because it's $30, I pay $40, $30 for it. right? It's not 30 Oh, wait, it is 30 Yeah, I'll probably, I would pay. If it was 60 I'd pay 40 If it was 30 I'd pay 20 Okay. Put it that way. Fair enough. All right. Well, that's, that's interesting. I kept thinking I, my head it was 60 so I was like $40. But I, yeah. Okay. That's fair enough. But even then, I think that one thing that you said I do still think holds true from everything I've seen is that it is it does make up for Mighty Number no. 9 regardless. You know what I mean? I would say... Maybe, his, maybe it doesn't make up to it enough in my head as I wanted it to. Sure. But I think that when you... Here's the thing. Prior to this, we just thought, Cap, we just thought Mega Man was a dead franchise. And that, the reason hey. that hold on the reason I say that is the outside of just re-releasing the games on PS4, which is going to be service enough for some people, but outside of just re-releasing the games for PS4, the reason that people were so excited for Mighty Number no. Nine is that Mega Man had not really been uh, had not had a new entry since uh, the PS3 ones, which were made by I think Indie Crates. I can't remember if it was if it was Indie Crates or or who. Um, I don't know. But it was Mega Man 9 and 10, and they were done in the style of the earlier Mega Man games, and they felt very true to form. Uh, and that's why a lot of people really love those games. They're very highly revered games, even though they came out on the PS3, which was crazy. Um, but, that late, yeah. Well, they just came out on PS3, but they felt like SNES and yeah, NES. Yeah, that's what I mean. Mega yeah. Man. Th- like that, was... that late of a game in that current generation to come out and feel like that old. Sure. And so I, I would say the reason people were so hungry for Mighty Number no. 9 is that not only was it obviously the Mega Man creator, but it was also the fact that they had not had a new Mega Man experience in a long time. So it was like, 
It was going to fill two voids, right? New game from a I can't remember the guy's name for some reason off the top of my head. It kills. Me. I can't either. I'm sitting here trying and to think I know of it because I, I, I've, I've so I've seen so many people. It's the guy who made Soul Sacrifice. Yeah, doesn't matter. Um, I can't remember it right now. I can't uh, either. But that, Kaiji, Kaiji, you've you've oh, maybe no, not. don't even try off memory. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna fail. <laughs> it's almost like Battle Network though. I want Battle Network to come back, but boy, am I scared if it ever does. Okay, so here's like here's the thing, right? If whoever it was that because it wasn't him, no, uh, but whoever it was that had the idea to make the Battle Network games, right? If they came off and and went to Kickstarter, and I know you're a little different because you don't really trust Kickstarter, so no, I trust Kickstarter. I just don't care enough to like. Well, I guess that's Fund what I mean, it, really. right? Especially for people like that, because you, you don't you don't trust the fact that it guarantees the game's going to come out quality. That's I guess what yeah. I'll say. Um, but my point being is that you would still be pretty hyped though if you if you heard from the guy who made it if he came out and was like, "Hey, look, not guys, with the Mega Man franchise, I won't be. Well, not, not after now. Mighty Nine. Yeah, not after Mighty Number Nine. But that's the only reason why. Now, before, well, yeah, and beforehand, it would end up being the same same exact scenario as Mighty Number no. Nine, where I was super excited for it and I ended up being incredibly let down for it. Okay, like I didn't even think to purchase my number nine it was on sale for 2.99 and i was like no yeah i i, I had the same feeling where i was like I, I enjoy mega man not as much as y'all you and blaze like it way more than i do. yeah i keep forgetting blaze likes it a lot uh, blaze too. loves it so yeah. blaze picked up mega man 11 on switch um but with that said i mean you know i was like man you know and I, it's up to I my kept own thinking about you i was like if it, if it was ten dollars i'd probably get it and then it kept going down and then i was like eh. yeah and then it got down to like it's not worth my time a dollar on sale and i was like yeah, because exactly. It's not about money anymore. It's about time. Yeah. So, there's that. So what about you? Uh, Lord, I've lost the forest for the trees. What was the... Well, I know uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, uh, what game review put you off of a game? Oh, it's very recent. Uh, it's uh, Tomb Raider. Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. And it is essentially comes down from... It wasn't necessarily only reviews. It was reviews mixed with previews, mixed with people who are playing it even after launch because obviously the thing that kind of shied me away from it was the previews the biggest thing that shook my faith in whether it was going to be good or not was the fact that they moved it off onto um uh idos montreal who is not the one crystal dynamics is the one who made the previous two that i enjoyed even though they weren't perfect but i enjoyed them so moving hands with the developer of a trilogy for the last game in that trilogy felt like a very weird move to me so that was enough but i liked the artistic style the orange and like dark gritty style I was like okay so that pulled me back into kind of thinking it might be good but then i kept seeing the game look kind of rough in a certain areas, which apparently is just not true. So I don't know what it was that I was, maybe it was just the, the NVIDIA thing that was screwing the game up so hard on those cards. Possibly. Yeah. That it just, it gave me this weird feeling where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this game. And I, you know, at least sometimes when the game is kind of mediocre, but it still looks beautiful and has a good enough world that it pulls you in. You're like, okay, well I can handle some things for what I'm getting elsewhere, uh, elsewhere in like the world building and whatnot. But I got so scared of the game that I kind of just pulled away from it. I was like, I just don't want it. And then I kept hearing bad things around it, release about it. I was like, maybe they're just people kind of being mad about same things. And maybe they're not true. Maybe they're unfounded. But then I started slowly, after about a month or two, started seeing people who I trust their opinion talk really positively about the game. And I'm swinging back towards Black Friday. I'm going to pick it up. Okay. And that's where I stand. And I'm going to play it now. And I'll see where I land. But I do, I'm do. i glad that I did wait because I would have been pissed also, not to the extent of some of these people, but if I would have spent $60 just for it to go on sale for like $38 two weeks or three weeks after launch. So you remember that controversy? Where people were, it went on sale like I think like it was three two weeks. weeks. Maybe it was a full month, but even a full Didn't month. Didn't it go down to 40? 38 or 40, something like that. Yeah. And people were like, what the hell? 
Yeah, I, I vaguely remember that, but I never cared about it enough about the new Tomb Raider franchise to care or just to know that, like to stay in the to stay in the know on okay, the series. Sure, sure. Um, fair enough. Our next question comes up from our good friend Josh. He says, "Is Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie?" I swear, I don't. You remember. asked us last year if we didn't. We didn't get to this one. I don't. Okay, maybe because we didn't have reader mail set up at the time. No, what? No, well, no, no. no, no. I'm, I'm talking we, about. I'm, I get what you're talking about now, but I. You said that you thought somebody asked us this before. No, I'm saying that uh, we've had somebody ask us about Die Hard before. Oh, and yeah. I don't, I don't remember if it was Josh or not. Josh, if it was you, let us know. Uh, but without a doubt, it's I Christmas. feel like it's it was a, Richard. It's a Christmas movie. I feel like it was Zeo Neon. It might have been or whatever the hell, whatever the hell you say his name. Uh, but Richard, I think it was him. I'm fairly positive, and that's because there was a meme going around about it at the time. Oh, because it was last Christmas, I think. Was there last like I think so holiday season? Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a Christmas movie. Okay, I think that the reason that it works is that it's a either time of the year movie. I think if you want to watch it as a Halloween movie, it totally services that. If you want to watch it as a Christmas it just movie, feel right. it's, it totally services that. Oh well, I mean. I mean, it know. comes down to personal opinion at that point. Sure. But for me, I'm going to say Christmas for sure. Like it does not go right on Halloween. I just think it toes the line, right? Because here's the thing: of if you think about what the movie is, even though the fact that it's essentially trying to be a Christmas movie because it's supposed to be him becoming obsessed with Christmas, right? The whole thing that's funny about it is well, that this is Halloween. All they're yeah. doing, well, but even then, all it comes down to, even though he's trying so hard to do this different thing, it's they essentially still, just turn Christmas into Halloween. Yeah, it still ends up being scary. Presents. Yeah, and that's why I think it's so funny. I think it works either way, right? That's it a can, good movie. Movie. Man, that's a ten out of ten movie. That's like that's and a lot of people. Here's one of those things. I actually do truly get when people say that some movies are just overrated, and I'm not even going to say necessarily that the movie's not overrated in terms of the way that people talk about it in the mainstream and like. And I mean that in the sense that people jump on the movie who haven't even seen it, and they act like they've seen it and act like they love it. And I know for a fact that sometimes these people have not seen this movie. The way they act crazy. like they love it, but they haven't seen it. Yeah, it's like well, people, I don't understand people like, like that. Just go see the movie if you think you're going to like it. Just like people who wear, and, and this is a complaint from a lot of people, but I do truly mean this. People who wear Nirvana shirts, and then when you start talking to them about it, they act like they know stuff, but then they can't name songs and stuff. It's like, oh, I love Nirvana. Did I ever tell you that happened to me? What? I had a pair. I had a pair of Converse with a Nirvana patch on them, and we were sitting in class, and I was like, eleventh grade, I think. And somebody questioned well, your. Somebody asked her, like, "Do you really like Nirvana? Or do you have those?" I pulled out, and many people don't know about this, but. Uh, I used to be really into Nirvana. I pulled out Kurt Cobain's journal, which is like a 200-page, 300-page book that is literally his journal that's been scanned. Even then, to be fair, if you were, if you wanted to really try and sell the fact that you like Nirvana, even though you didn't, I could have just named off songs. But any well, even any yeah. pleb could do that. Well, you'd be surprised, man. I know people who love bands and still can't name songs from. I mean, I'm that way. Can you tell? Can I tell you how many times I've listened to? Um, I can't think of the name of the album. The uh, Tiny Moving Parts album. Oh yeah, I can't tell. Yeah, oh, so that's what it's so called. Good. I can name three songs on top of my head right now: Caution, I, Wildfire, and I just blank. So two. I've listened to that album five times at least. You can't even remember applause. Literally the first song on the album. I'm trying to think of another song that's not applause. <laughs> I mean, Caution. Yeah, let's see. Caution, Wildfire. Uh, it's cold outside. That's a good song. It's that's a real outside. good that's song. song. Yeah. Anyway, but this is not what this is about. But no, okay, I got you. And I think that I'll still stand by the fact that it services either. And a weird thing, and as a Christmas movie, this is just something I've always thought was interesting. As a Christmas movie, I feel like it shares a similar tone to, to Jim Carrey's The Grinch. And that, you know, like... Didn't Tim Burton do that too? No, I don't think so. Did he not? I'm fairly positive. I'll also say, Nightmare Before Christmas is the only good Tim Burton film ever made. I said that just to ruffle feathers. Because Tim Burton, first of all, 
I talked about big fish before my infinite love for big fish. So you know that ain't true. I know. But first of all, but, Tim Burton's made some big stinkers. Oh, no. He has. <laughs> Massive stinkers. He has. But you're going to sit there right now and tell me that Sleepy Hollow is not a great That movie is movie. terrible. That movie is great. That movie is. You're, you're fueled that, by nostalgia. That movie is great. You're fueled by nostalgia. I refuse. Nope. I refuse. No. I didn't even watch that movie until I was like 14. If dogs sweat from their feet, why do they have armpits coming from our good buddy RJ Loki? I like how you asked it like it wasn't even like that it was somebody asking it. Like you were just changing your argument. Like we were like, well, this movie's this. Well, oh, yeah. Well, what, if dogs sweat by their. Yeah, so if dogs sweat from their feet, why do they have armpits? We know the answer to this, RJ. Actually, we answered it last podcast being dead serious. I don't think we should answer this. It's, it's a secret only we know because everybody knows the answer. So we're just going to keep it. We're just going to. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. But also, isn't it crazy that That's dogs... where you milk dogs from. <laughs> <laughs> but also, isn't it crazy that they can just sweat through... Which, okay, it sounds crazy, but then you think... We like, sweat from our hands. how many times I've sweat from my feet yeah. and my palms? Yeah, like right now, my feet are sweaty. Mine too, actually. Like, so I don't know where socks, normal. which is not normal either. So yeah, like, Nasty. Yeah. Go, right. go ahead with another one. <laughs> I'm going to shake it up a little bit. Let's see. Do you guys... Okay, did you guys fight a lot in school... Slash outside of school. And what was your first fight? Saul, did you ever get into an actual fight in school? I, I've been in two, or are you, uh, two real fights. We're going to say during school years. I think is what he kind of meant by that. In school or out of school, but like during yeah. your school career. Yeah, yeah. I've been in two real school fights. Um, one, I was in seventh grade at College Hill. And back then, we this was like... In seventh grade, what year was that? You like ever wonder two, if Rich is trying to get all these weird details about us so he can like steal our us? identity? Oh, oh that too. <laughs> But, you know how sometimes they'll be like, well, what was your childhood friend name? He just keeps hoping that we, <laughs> we give names. Uh, I don't obviously mean that, but that's just great to that, think that's about. That's hilarious. Or, yeah, come kill us. I'm trying to think. And if I was in seventh, not seventh grade, fifth grade uh, at College Hill, what year was that? It had to be like 2001, right? I, I guess. I don't know, man. Well, how old are you in fifth grade? 11? I don't know. Okay, well, well, how were you old in fifth grade? I was in fifth grade. And this was early enough, 2000s, that Columbine was still fresh. So, like, thing, the, the something that schools did down here was we went to all clear backpacks or mesh backpacks. Oh, yeah. We went to a school uniform that, like, you couldn't hide anything in your clothes. It's, it didn't last it, long, though. It did. It lasted until I was a freshman in high school. For me, it didn't last until... Uh, it lasted until I was a freshman in high school. Even all the way up to North Heights. My, fi- my fifth uniform. grade year, it went away for us. Lucky you. But yeah, it lasted So that forever. happened to me in my third grade year. Well, what's crazy is high school students... you're two above me, right? Yeah, yeah. High school students didn't even have to do this. And it's crazy that Columbine happened at a high school. It doesn't make much sense that I was... Whatever. Uh, but anyway, so I was uh, I was walking up this little small st- uh, group of steps in... in in college hill and i had somebody behind me grab on my backpack and yank it backwards so i fell off the back uh, of the steps and it was a mesh backpack and since he did that the zipper pretty much just broke it did the thing zippers do like where uh one track gets on the other and you can't zip it up anymore mm-hmm. and it went all flat everywhere well like i was so mad and i was so young that i actually stood up and he turned around laughing and i punched him in the forehead like square <laughs> in the forehead not in, like the face or anything but square in the forehead as hard as i could and but- it knocked him back onto the stairs and it busted his head open um i got i got in school suspension for so, that for so i'll try to flex on y'all Sounds like messing me. I'm all like, bust, you know? like did it, you give him? Did you give him that? Uh, that uh, Rick James, Dave Chappelle, unity, pow, right in the middle. I forgot about that. 
Oh my gosh. But anyways, um, I've always wanted a ring that said something crazy. I, I'm not even a violent person. I just think it'd be funny to punch someone so hard that you leave an imprint of your ring. But I just think that's funny. But uh, it turns out that like, and I didn't know this until like a year after the fact. But I got like a, a week of an in-school suspension for that. And I'll say buzzing his head up. There wasn't blood anywhere. There was a big old knot bleeding from his forehead. Sure. Um, but I learned that from that. I felt really bad. And I think I was talking about this the other night with you, like where like it happened with another kid. Like I was mean to in school and I felt bad over summer break. I'm not going to name names. Yeah. We talked about while playing destiny. I do recall. It was similar to that where I felt bad. So like I ended up trying to apologize and hang out with him. Turns out he was a lonely dude and he didn't do it on purpose. He was actually falling and he grabbed my backpack to like help himself up. And that caused me to yank back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we oh, actually ended boy. up becoming best friends, like all throughout college Hill and North Heights until he moved to uh, Nebraska. Like, no, it wasn't Nebraska. New Hampshire, uh, when I was like, when we we're going to high school. So, like, that's how I made one of my like best friends over the course of school. So, Punch John, so hard. John, if you're watching this, if you ever find me, know, know that I'm still sorry for that. But boy, did, did we have a good friendship because of that. But uh, the okay. next time, the next time we were actually playing uh, at the playground, and it was one of those weird, I can't remember what school I was at yet, but I remember Seth being in the same school as me. So, I'm thinking it was Kirkpatrick. It was my last year of Kirkpatrick, his first year. Sure. That, that seems reasonable. It was at the part where it's technically after school, but we were still at school. Well, he'd be um, second grade if you were. Oh yeah, because that's right. Kilpatrick went to fifth grade when I was in Kilpatrick. So he'd be the third first year because you're only two above us, right? Yeah. So right? fourth grade would be two. Yeah. You said third just then. Well, if you were in the fifth grade, no, I, I said I, I said Kilpatrick still went up to fifth grade at that point. Yeah, so I wasn't we, in fifth grade. I was in oh, fourth grade at this point. I got you. And and Seth Seth may remember this, but he may not. There's a little kid that we used to hang out with, a little shithead named Gunther. And uh, he was like, he actually lived like technically the house directly we've behind few, my dad's. Uh, we've let a few curse words fly this podcast. Well, everybody should know that Reader Bell is very is loose compared to whatever. Slax. But uh, he lived at the house directly behind my dad's house. Like if you're standing in my dad's backyard, the house that's over there that's uh, across the eighth thirty fifth. He lived in that house. He was my dad's. My dad had a good friend that lived there, and it was their son. Well, like he would always just like mess with Seth, and it was one of those times where I'm like. I'm not gonna let somebody else mess with my little brother. That's my job. Yeah. So like, I slugged him so hard in the side yeah. of the head right here. He got up and he was crying. So I did the thing of like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Look, and like I punched myself. Like it's funny <laughs> to like cheer him up. Seth may remember that. Seth may not remember that. But those are the two times. See, Neither normally, one really fights. But you normally do the other thing when you're the one beating up on someone else who's your brother. Yeah. Like, you're like I'm sure you did that to Seth one time, right? Where you punched Seth and he started crying. You're like, oh no, Seth, look. Multiple times, <laughs> hundreds of times. Just hoping he doesn't go and tell your parents, or hoping he finds it funny Please. to forget about his pain. <laughs> so yeah, never really fights, but I, like two times I actually punched somebody violently. Man, my one leads to like a great story with my grandpa. Um, so essentially, I used to play basketball. And I used to be really good at basketball, which is a crazy sentence to say because I don't really care about sports all that much. Uh, but I used to play basketball. <clears throat> Which I had an advantage in because I've always been tall within reason. Definitely when I was already grown before everybody else caught up with me. Anyway, this was in the sixth grade. Uh, so this is at College Hill uh, Middle. Anyway, what happened is that me and my friend Julio uh, were playing basketball. And he was being far too aggressive with his defense. And he purposely elbowed me back oh, to where I fell and hit my head on the con on the, the gym floor, which was not yeah. soft. It was like actual basketball court. And dude, that hurt. And I got up and I was pissed. Cause I was like, and I even thought like, dude, you did that on purpose. And he started laughing and I just whoop. And then I started whoop. And it was one of those things where 
all of my friends at the time because I've been going to um, Union. So at that point, I mean, it was all people from College Hill. So, you know, they're all crazy. We're all a bunch of crazy poor people that get hyped up when people fight. So they're all like, my boy Brett getting him. And I'm just swinging at him. And, he, and I, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I, I tore him up because I. that was like where I realized I'm like, man, anger can really get the best of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was, it was more funny because I'm like, me and Julio are friends. Why are we fighting so hard? I think it's one of those things also when you're young because your hormones kind of go crazy. And like there's a bunch of weird stuff going on at that time. Because like, I think like you said. Sixth grade, I'd probably like eleven. So you're like you're kind of starting to go through some forms of puberty. So you got like increased testosterone. So something happened. You're like, Whoa. oh yeah, I'm telling you, I'm not a violent person by Me any means. But Me the either. second I fell off those stairs, like my backpack was on the ground broken. It was just like, nope, punching the forehead, like yeah, easily, like yeah. So anyway, um, that stuff went down. I ended up getting sent to not even out of school suspension. They what they did was sent me to uh, or you know what I mean like at home suspension. Instead, they sent me to out of school suspension. So OSS, uh, and that was at a really bad school in our 4A. area. Four A. Four A. And my grandpa took me. I actually almost got that. They but they gave me ISS instead. Because, I would have preferred yeah because there's no bus on my bus bus route that would go there. Okay, that makes sense. But even more, what ended up happening in my situation, it turned out to be a great thing for me. My Whatever, my, my grandpa was typically the one who had to deal with stuff like that whenever we had to do it because a bus wouldn't take me to there either. But they were like, doesn't matter, you're going. So grandpa, oh, they didn't do that to grandpa me. came and picked me up and he took me there. Uh, the way that school is, it's literally like a bunch of bars outside. It looks like oh, a dude, prison. It's, it's a like it's for mentally, uh, it's it's a mixture of mentally and terribly behaved kids, like uh, mentally ill kids and terribly behaved. I don't know why. Like this is just goes to show. Why are they the same like, place? Arkansas, yes, Arkansas schools suck real bad. But I'm telling you that I, I've been there once inside uh, for something that we were doing in a science project in freshman year of high school. Sure. And me, a teacher, like three other people went over there. You don't want to be in that school. That is not a safe school to be in. No, people get stabbed and stuff like that. Anyway, what happened is we went there. My grandpa dropped me off. And I went inside, and I could tell that he was kind of apprehensive about letting me even go. So I got in the class, and I was only there for about 40 minutes before, and then they called, and they said, hey, Brett, come to the front office. And my grandpa came back, demanded that they let me out because he didn't feel like it was safe for me to be there, called the school, College Hill Middle, talked to the principal and said, I refuse to let him do this, and they changed it to at-home suspension. Oh, that's even better. And that day, because it was already like eight-something or almost nine, that day me and my grandpa just went to Old Washington, hung out. Went to saw all the old crazy because like old Washington in this area is basically an area of the of Arkansas where they still do everything with like horse carriages yeah. and like dress in old fashioned like early nineties. It's kind of far from here, isn't it? Uh, early nineties, early nineteen hundreds. It's relatively far, a couple hours. Yeah. Anyway, we went there, got some catfish. It was delicious. Me and Grandpa just <sighs> sat there and ate and chilled the whole day. Came back and the next two days, me and Grandpa just hung out. I'm so hungry. That catfish I loved it. sounds so good. I loved it. Anyway, right, three we'll, three we'll questions left. Um, um, our good buddy Elchabib has two, so we're gonna we'll do one Elchabib, then we'll do Blake, and then Elchabib again to, to give him some, I'm, I'm with some you. level. I'm with you. So this answer is gonna be somewhat controversial among our community, but he uh, Elchabib wants to know which format of game conferences conferences is best. Is it the PlayStation twice yearly main showcases, or Nintendo's bi sized informative directs, or is it Xbox's once a year E3? Nintendo by far, not for the content, but for the way it's done. They pop up randomly. It's always fun to hear rumors that one's going to happen because you're like, oh, is this actually going to have a Nintendo Direct today? Um, and not to mention like what he said about them. They're bite-sized. They're 45 minutes to an hour long, and they are just, in my opinion, the the best thing. I wouldn't say that's necessarily bite-sized, though, because I think that you... 
I mean, it's double time technically for a PlayStation E3 conference, an hour and a half. So it can be anywhere to, from about an hour to and, an hour and, and a half. And to be fair, they have had twenty minute directs too. They're kind sure. of they're kind of common. I mean, uncommon, but yeah. I do think you Nintendo right, has the best structure. Now, Sony, mm-hmm. in my opinion, should have adopted this structure when they announced no PSX. If they would just want to announce a couple things that have a, some micro conferences, because for those that don't know, Nintendo directs are pretty recorded and they just go up on YouTube live, and yeah. they are typically just. Revealing games, revealing aspects about games, and they've been doing a couple for Smash Brothers every now and then to reveal stuff about Smash Brothers. Yeah, but I'll give you that surprising, and they're good. I do think that as a substitute for PSX, since they felt like it was all smaller things, and a good way to do it would be choose a game and be like, "Hey, we're going to have a not a PlayStation, not even whatever you want to call it." Like they could have just like what would have been really cool is for them to go live on their official PlayStation Twitter or Twitch and be like countdown timer and like what is this and then all of a sudden be a 30 minute direct because that's what nintendo does that's what they should do it'd be surprising it'd be actually kind of interesting to see and you'd be like well what are we going to get and then you get a new last of us trailer with gameplay and then to tie with that you maybe get more spyro gameplay or or this is where they show a little bit of dreams gameplay they use it for stuff that's not necessarily worthy of normal and i'm not saying dreams isn't worthy of conference floor that's obviously some people feel that way uh but my point is for games that you feel like aren't quite enough to show at what you would consider a keynote you can show them in this sense and be like hey look this is just us showing the game off right yeah and they could have done that you know they did it with dreams essentially because they did like a dream stream where they went through and showed the little big planet level they recreated yeah um and that was cool. cool That was cool, but essentially what ended up happening is that they could have done the same thing. It could have just randomly showed up on PlayStation saying, and been like, countdown timer. But they also probably would have needed to nail down a beta date because they have to have enough substance to have still felt worth the time. And there are some Nintendo Directs that go by, and it's like, well, this wasn't like exciting at all. And but I will and say, you run a risk in that sense. Yeah. And but you run that risk to be fair. You run that risk with E three. Everything. Yeah, I was gonna say every kind of conference slash. So you know, we we've been lucky that even the worst E three that Sony particularly had in years was this year and it wasn't even bad it I, was just i will say though that if they continue to have e3s like that microsoft's gonna go in the number two spot <laughs> in terms of quality because it was sure i did not like the way that was done at all yeah. it was not it was not Very good, experimental especially too. looking back on it yeah sony yeah. if you uh i know you guys listen to our podcast you love us uh we, lo- <laughs> we never say anything bad about you ever especially me uh never did that again Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm a, I stand a little differently, but not entirely, because I do think that there's a lot of good to what you said, yeah. and I think that there are. I think that adopting a mixture of the two is probably best. I still think having a traditional E3, of course, and a traditional PSX, because Nintendo did as well. They that six month because here's and that's why I've always wondered why Microsoft doesn't do that. But having that E3 that Sony has ten, has tended up until this year to just really kill at and then a PSX that also does pretty well and actually some PSX I mean announcing The Last of Us 2 at PSX was a big deal Ballsy. for PSX yeah. it was really a, it showed that they cared about it right it did yeah uh, which is interesting because they now don't have it yet, yeah this year they have reasons I'm sure and I, 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 I I'm sad but we're both well, I'm trying to think of the phrase we're both understandably pissed off <laughs> i guess i'm not pissed off as much as i'm disappointed because it's just it i'm not mad at you me. i'm not mad at you sony i'm just disappointed in you. <laughs> which is worse uh but anyway the, the, the i think that it would be interesting and you've already seen sony do some of this but not in necessarily the same route as what nintendo does you've seen sony be far more willing to post release dates and 
gameplay updates and like all this stuff just through the PlayStation blog, which is weird, which is funny because like essentially that's the easiest place to do it, right? They already have a, a thing to do it. You can write up, you can insert pictures, a new video or whatever you want to do, and you can control it that way. And you can go even more bite spice than a direct because a direct, like I say, sometimes a direct happens and you're kind of like, man, but that's because in your mind, when you're going through making an entire event around it, you feel like there's got to be a little bit of substance. Yeah, there has but to be something there worth of the events, it, Tom. But if it's just a blog post, it's kind of just there. It's, kinda, it's like okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna give bite-sized pieces of information this way for games that aren't necessarily as big as we would want to conserve for like our E3's time and our PSX time, but we can still give updates that way. And I think if they can find a way to kind of adapt the two, like we already saw, and the reason I say that is like this year, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Detroit Become Human date, the God of War date, and the Spider-Man date, I'm pretty sure all three were announced on a PS blog post. I know for a fact that Detroit God of War I said Detroit God of War, but... And what I'm saying, that's interesting, right? Normally, they would wait and they would do like, oh, well, whatever event we had. Now, of course, God of War was different because it kept getting pushed to a point that was like, well, what event's going to happen? You kind of just got to come out and say it. And Detroit fell in that same window where it's pre- pre e3 so i mean eh, they, they didn't have a date to give it at psx so they on had the, to kind of do it that way but it was it shows that they're not against doing it that way on the flip side though of, of the blog post because actually i really agree with the blog post but on the flip side something else would have, that would have been cool is that if instead of doing the ps classic and only announcing all 20 games on the blog post like they did because that was the only place they announced it sure done a 20 minute direct about it and showed it off in person with somebody and had two people there talking about it and then going through the games. Built the a little bit of hype. Yeah. And even for 20 minutes, I felt like that would have been worth it for what that is. Um, now, games is, of course, a different service. Like, you got to worry about that. True. Uh, and that's and that, because that is some form of hardware. Right. And you got to feel like you're giving people Even though you kind of know what you're getting, in a way. I wonder how long the cords are going to be. If the cords are short like Nintendo's, I'm going to call copy. I'm going to call copyright. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> you're using the same cords. Because <laughs> the cords for Nintendo are, are unnecessarily, like, Two and a half feet or three feet long. Hey, look! If Sony's gonna if Sony's gonna copy the competition, the idea should Improve. be that you're copying and improving. Yes. Right? So the number one improvement that they should have been able to see that people were angry about was the size the of those. The, the length I'm of the still mad about that. I know there's fixes. I know you can buy extenders. I know you can buy different ca- the controllers. But you shouldn't have to. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was gonna say. You shouldn't yeah. have to. Our good buddy Blake over there on Twitter. Thanks again for another question. He says, "If you could be any one weapon." item or object from a video game what would it be i'd be the dildo bat from saints row i love this this is a <laughs> so, good question so to stay i know i'm gonna get some discord peeps to agree with me on this uh i would be D- <laughs> diva's mech suit <laughs> wait a minute so you could have a you could have a young teenage girl inside of you <laughs> she's not a teenage is she <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> I take that back. Mainly, I was saying that I'm I'm about ninety nine percent positive that Diva I is fully, like sixteen. Fully take that back. <laughs> I was mainly saying that to see what Liam and uh, our good buddy Kiki would say. Um, but for real though, like any, if I could be any item, I would be. Um, just, hey, hey, hold up! She nineteen. She legal. <laughs> I mean, I still stick with that was a joke answer, anyways. But I, I know, would, I, I know. would, I would be Jahuti. Jahuti. Yeah. That is the main uh I don't know I think I don't think you ever I keep forgetting I don't think you've ever played this. That was the main um I forgot what they're called in those games. Uh, Zone of the Enders. Um, oh. 
Yeah. What are those um, called? So what is, is that the the mech suits from Zone of the Enders? Yeah. Whatever they're called. Uh, I've played Zone of the Enders. Just I've never beaten any of them. It's weird that I'd both be a robot with humans inside of me, technically, but. I always thought it would be so cool for... You just want to feel what it's like to have somebody inside of you, so... Well, I thought it would be so... Reminder that this is more off the cuff than our normal podcast. A lot of less professional. Um, but as far as like a weapon or item goes, I feel like a mech would be the coolest thing to be, right? I mean, I guess, because you are essentially being an item. I mean, that does fall under the category. So, I mean, I, I guess I like the idea that for Blake... Well, that's pretty dirty of a thing, too. I'd, I'd want to be a dildo bat. You know what I mean? That's that's a pretty crazy answer. Um, hey, uh, somebody take the somebody in our Discord, take the image and of Blake, Blake and Photoshop it on there. I know one of y'all do around it. and everything. I kind of want to give it to Liam to do because Liam is so quick. What I like about Liam is that they're crude, but that, that makes so them quick. way more funny. Dude, they're like, within 10 seconds of you saying something, it's up. And I'm like, how does he make them that fast? What's but, even more funny is the file names on them. Gets yes. me too. I don't think, I wonder, I've always wondered, does he name them that way on purpose? Because he knows we're going to see the file name. But That's I love it. That's a good it. question, yeah. Sometimes file names make me laugh on Discord when it shows them. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Yeah, one was, I forgot what it was. It was a picture of Obama not too long ago. They just said tree. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Why is this just not named the a tree? version. Yeah, I guess so. What <laughs> would you be? Oh, man, that's a really freaking great question, man. I don't, you know, it sounds weird, but it, why is it that we all want to be like something? Okay, and it's essentially still a person. That's the hardest part, right? Because you're still being an object in a in a way, but like something that almost follows along and like guides a player. So like uh, uh, the pod from like Near Automata, Grimoire cool. Vice yeah. from uh, the original Near game, or like even the Ghost from Destiny. Just because essentially you still have a personality, but what constitutes Emilio? Emilio, yeah, Emil. I don't know why I keep calling him Emilio. Emil. I don't know why that happens. (laughs) Have you been watching Knives of Roxbury? Emilio. I was was, going to say uh, Emilio Estevez. I think of Mighty Ducks. Well, yeah, that's what the Knives of the Roxbury movie joke is. I think that we actually had that. We we talked about that movie in the room that got corrupted, and I said I'd never seen it. I don't think we did. We did. The man isn't that the one that Emilio and Charlie Sheen. It's uh well no, wait, no it's that that's not. Oh, we're it. talking about westerns. Hold on, this go this goes back to like last week. Yeah. We're talking about westerns. Yeah, that was uh oh god, why are you gonna do this to me? That was Tombstone. Tombstone. Um. Anyway, but no, that's not it. That you know what I'm talking about? Night at the Roxbury, right? Will Will Ferrell and uh, Chris Kattan and their brothers. Who is Chris Kattan. That name sounds familiar. He's Saturday Night Live alumni. <clears throat> well, I knew that when you said Will Ferrell, but Ferrell, Ferrell, like, like the Ferrell. singer Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> has that been done? Like Will Listen, Pharrell dressed like I Pharrell? Am, I, am I so bet hungry. it has. I don't know who this is. You've never seen Chris Kattan? I don't think so. I can't believe that. That's amazing. I'm not a huge fan of Saturday Night Live. I never. I mean, really I'm not a huge been. fan of Saturday Night Live necessarily because it's just. It, you know, look, just type in not. To okay, rock. never mind that right there. Okay, you know the meme that you know. Well, the, no, I yeah I, yeah. But that's it. That's yeah. It. Okay, I'll just say. Yeah. That's horrifying. Is that Brian Cranston? No. That's not Brian Cranston? Or is that Flea? No, that's Flea. It's amazing how similar they look alike right there. <laughs> I don't see it, but okay. Look, regardless, my point being... Yeah, you're right. My eyesight sucks. Look, my point... My, either way, my point being... <clears throat> I don't even know what my point is. I've lost it. What would you What be? were you even talking about? I don't I even don't? know. <laughs> yeah. You said you'd be a you said you'd be pod. This pod is a, This is a bad podcast, Saul. We we ruined this podcast here at the end by just being random and tangential. Sometimes that's what people are like. Y'all let us know in the comments down below. Yeah, let us know if we need to say more on topic or if we can just be crazy and stupid. I would definitely be a mech though. 
Uh, Mech is cool, but I, I like the idea. But you, you say being a meal, but a meal's not an object. He is a person. I mean, he technically he's a conscience. He, he's yeah. more so. I think that the pod is a little more so because, like, a little okay. more cheaty. Grimoire Vice and Grimoire Noir in the first Near game they're are, consciences too, aren't they? Well, they're actually like magical consciousnesses. Well, that's, that, so well, that's, that, it's be, always a meal. So since well, but a meal was an actual human at one point. At one point, but not <clears throat> what we see him as. Or but maybe, he, be, he becomes a monster. Did you see him as a human in the first one? Yeah, that's kind of cool. I kind of looked that up. Um, so, uh, anyway, my point being is that I think I consider him more of a human. I even say the Grimoire Vice is so, but like Pod, Pod is just a robot consciousness, which is essentially what you have in something like, you know, if you wanted to be BT from, uh, Titanfall two or something, oh, he yeah. still has some form of consciousness, even though he's a mech that's essentially meant to be piloted by you and your ghost has a consciousness, but is this fan art or is this him? <clears throat> that's like a weird thing of him, but that is essentially him. You can actually see him. That's him right there. Dude, that little boy, that boy looks sick. That's some cool character design. Oh yeah, they actually play the game. It's pretty cool. I mean, I I, I might actually buy PS3 now that they're 110 bucks used. Bam, do it. Play the game. I'll let you borrow it. It's great. You'll love it. Well, let's go on to our last question here from our good buddy El Shabib. Brett, lead us last in. Last question. <clears throat> God, I hate coughing crap up. Anyway, El Shabib asks: With game development being such a volatile market, major studio closures, layoff, if games don't achieve a certain level of sell through or revenue, do you think it's still worth getting into game development? Uh, the the short answer is yes, obviously. There's there's always... Like, honestly, only get into stuff like this if you love doing it. Don't get into it for a job only. Because you're going to yes. end up hating video games because of that. Um, but no matter what you do in video game development, I think we've seen this from Undertale and Doki Doki and all these other niche indie titles that did not take a lot of effort to make. I'm not saying Undertale didn't. No, but they took... Okay, I should I say... I get where you're going. Your wording is just poor. It's bad, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, they took they a lot, took a lot of, effort. of effort, but not big teams, yes. not publishers yes. that control your, your fate. They did not. Uh, mm. they, basically, they are indie games from the truest uh, label they have. Uh, but you will always have major uh, cliche fan bases in any style you decide to go into. So you'll always almost have an audience for what you decide. What are you doing? Okay, seeing on the note back up. Anyway, um, what? No, I'm with you, and that's that's actually where I was gonna go with it. Is I think if nothing else, if you want to get into game design right now, people who do have that kind of idea, I think that it's never been a better time to either get with a small scale studio that still has publisher backing, but the expectations are much lower, and what they expect in terms of sales and whatnot are much lower. I think that the triple A market is more volatile than ever and very aggressive, and that uh, failures are just chalked up even more because the potential for success is even higher than it's ever been when you see games like uh, Red Dead selling 17 million copies in eight days or some crap. Uh, <clears throat> but my point being in that situation is I think if you still want to get into game development for the right reasons because you love it and it doesn't matter if the fact that sometimes it's going to be hard, sometimes you may have to jump around in jobs or you know take risk. But I think that there's two things about that. I think you can get into indie development you can get your feet wet that way, and you can either do it in your spare time, or if you really want to dive in and try and do what a lot of these people do, you give everything you have to it, and you try and save towards it. There's a way to do it that way, uh, of course. Then there's the flip side, I think, where even if you want to get in on the AAA level or maybe the AA level where, again, you have a little bit more leniency and wiggle room, I think that a lot of people that love these things, it's, it's obviously a very interesting uh, outlet for art, uh, and more so that it's an outlet for art in such a way that <clears throat> it's a collaborative art. Yes. And that's what makes video games... And don't move wrong, everything to an extent 
so unique, but video games very much so because of the size of the crew that actually are have a hand in every aspect, be it coding or level design. Now, of course, you can say, well, the camera crew, but this is a crew that's being directed by somebody in a movie. So the the level of involvement is different. Now, of course, those hands are still on it, and movies are hundreds of people productions, but games when they're hundred people productions. They're, everybody's hands actually in the creative side of things to an extent, you know, they're getting to determine like, okay, well, this is my form of art. And now of course someone can shoot down whether that's good or acceptable or not, but you're getting to kind of go through that. And I think that if anything, movies are volatile, music is volatile. Yeah. All these artistic industries are volatile. They just truly are. But that is what makes the risk versus reward. So podcast, crazy podcast industry <clears throat> for people who do completely go cut all ties to working and just dive in as much yeah. as you can. It is volatile. It's very like, I, I would never say like, I think any kind of side passion project has to be just that it has to be on the side. I don't think that you should ever deep dive into something unless you are financially wealthy because you, you just, you take such a big risk with your life. I'm not going to say that. Cause I feel like that tells people to not take, not want to live a life in which they can take these risks and just fall. I think in. most people, people are, get caught. I mean, and I, people get caught in a good way. It's, uh, that sounds like a weird wording, but, uh, People jump off of a cliff into these things like, you know what? I'm giving it everything I have because at least at the end Those of the road. Those cases are very rare in between, though. What do you mean? Like, that they, that they land on their feet? very rare, yes. That, that, I mean, that of, it comes out where they land course, on their feet but, and in positive. Like, if we, like, right now, like, when you think about it, if we said a year and a half ago, let's quit our jobs and do this, we'd be screwed. We'd be homeless. We'd well, be doing this from the street. Maybe not. Triangle Squared, and a you want super to know podcast. Maybe not, because we'd have more time to focus on making sure that this that we had multiple shows to do. But in such a diluted market, had, it's so hard to do. Well, maybe, but at the same time, maybe we would have more uh, outreach, and you know, people would be able to find us a little bit easier if we had more shows, and then we you'd get cross play across the people who maybe find us from Let's Play. No, and that's then true. Yeah, move over. Uh, and I'm not saying that it for sure is. Obviously, the chances are still that we wouldn't be doing well enough to have quit our jobs, and and it'd be worth it for us. But I don't think that that's necessarily the same as being along the lines of like. Well, you shouldn't do this because I, you're right. People do do that, and sometimes it ends poorly for them. But I do think a lot of the time what you see from a lot of people, and, I, and yeah, sometimes I'm like, I wish we were doing better with this show. But I do know that to at least some extent, part of the reason this show may, maybe isn't doing as good as we think it could be doing uh, is because of the fact that we are 45 hours a week working caught up in, in, in other life. And then, yeah, this is a passion for us and we do it as much as we can. Well, and the, to but be we fair, do it with the back end catch of, I still gotta go to work and I still have to support my family and I still have to do this to be there. That's only what I'm talking about is passion projects. Now, if yeah. you have a business startup idea with a buddy and you put a lot of capital into it, you think you're going to do well, by all means, you take that risk is more so than a passion product. In so even in that sense, if you're, if you're more, if your startup is that you're a game developer and you feel like you have a good thing and you have money to put into it and start it and perpetuate it and put a part, put a product. If, if it out. does not affect you. Yeah. I'm not, and what I'm, what I'm saying is do not quit your job to become a professional podcast or video game maker when you don't have the returns necessary to live if you fail. Yeah, it's too big of a risk. But I, I, I still, I don't know. I still don't like living by that motto. Now, maybe for myself, I don't like telling other people to live. You by will. That you motto. know me. I. It took me. I'm 27. It took me. Or am I 28? <laughs> 27. <laughs> I, it took me uh, 27 years of my life, technically, if you really want to be kind of, you know iffy about it. 11 years to buy a new car, even though I've been financially stable enough to buy the new car. For whatever reason, I just in my head I was like, well, this is. So you know how my brain works. I'm I too. Know. I'm cautious with my money on big I know. stuff. 
But, that's and, a big thing too. And you know, that's one of the crazy things about this show is that you, we've talked about it from the get go. Like we never know what we're going to do. If for some reason the show were to blow up to a point where we could do it. I think of the two of us, I would be the one more likely to want to just dive off and be like, screw it. We're, we're at a point where if I can live with you, if I become homeless, I'll do it. I like, we'll, I, we'll, we'll stream on Twitch every single day. Well, we got an extra room. You'll be Monday, fine. Fridays, Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, we'll have a big production go up every day or, or every one stream of those on the days. weekend. Uh, no, I stream every day in between of those. Okay, cool. And then have a weekend off. Bam. We do whatever we want to. There you go. And we'll do like an 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Saturday stream. All right. That we've, we've just discussed a few If you guys, guys want to give us money to uh, fulfill this dream, feel free to. But we like to thank everybody who did ask us questions today. Uh, sorry for the delay. Even though it was a week. Happens. It happens. Uh, we would have been a little bit more on the ball and a little bit more in time country if this was a nut. Time country? What is up? I'm so hungry and tired. More time crunchy. But um, we would have been more so on the ball if this was a regular episode. But I think that with it being reader mail, just delaying it one even week uh, was perfect enough. There's nothing uh, other than hearing you guys' best wishes and uh, our, the questions you guys ask us weekly. We love it so much. We hope you guys yep. continue to do it. And thank you all for tuning in to October's reader mail. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, My Name is Dan, Douglas Below, Shadowist, Steven Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popes, and Eduardo Palomino. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, the link is in the description below. We appreciate it.